welcome to Right to Life of Michigan's Life Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Ann Visser, and today we are doing a feature on the differences of having abortion restrictions as opposed to having no restrictions on abortion. As many of you know, we are fighting against the Anything Goes abortion amendment right now. They have turned in their signatures this past Monday, and we are waiting to hear if they will officially be on the November ballot. We predict that we will hear this at the end of August, and so from now until then, we're just educating people on why it's so important that we uphold our 1931 law, why it's so important that we defeat this amendment, and what it will actually do if people do vote for it in November. We have created a hypothetical story that illustrates what it would look like for a woman to go into an abortion facility to have a consultation with a nurse and what it would look like if there was no restrictions on abortion. After I tell the story, I'm going to go through it again and explain each one of the restrictions that I deleted each one of the restrictions that we currently have in place in the U.S. today and why they are so important. I'm also going to be adding in pieces that if the RFFA amendment was passed, it would also allow these things to happen when a woman goes to get an abortion. So I'm going to be telling Bethany's story. It is a hypothetical story. And this is what it would look like to have no restrictions on abortion. Bethany was a college student. She has big dreams to become a marine biologist. She was in her second year of college when she found out she was pregnant with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend was in his third year of college and had received an offer to play from Hartford Athletics to play pro soccer. Her boyfriend was excited to be a dad and had a plan for him and Bethany. She was going to drop out of college and he was going to be able to support them in the next couple of years from all the money he was going to make from pro soccer. They were so happy and so excited until her boyfriend told his coaches about his grand plan and that's when their challenges started. His coach said, you're not going to be able to support this baby. You won't have time to practice for Hartford, and you will lose the offer. You will never be able to juggle soccer, Bethany, and a baby. You need to bring her to Planned Parenthood. You will waste all of your hard work and talent if you don't. You see, this made Bethany a part of the 64% of women who feel pressured into having an abortion because she didn't want to have that abortion. But she felt like she'd be ruining her boyfriend's life And her boyfriend then, in turn, pressured her to have the abortion along with his coaches and the athletic trainer. So her boyfriend's athletic trainer was able to refer Bethany to a local abortion clinic. Bethany didn't need to go to her her doctor or to a physician to get a referral. How convenient. So her boyfriend took her to Planned Parenthood. When she got there, she got checked in and sat in the waiting room. Check-in was quick and easy because Bethany had paid for the abortion before this consultation. A nurse came out and called her back to an examination room. 
As she walked through the halls, she noticed an examination room that had a rusty ultrasound machine with tiny blood spots dried on the side of it. She noticed that they had walked past another examination room with an ultrasound machine and wondered, do I get to see my baby today? The nurse directed her to take a seat on the patient bench that didn't have a fresh layer of medical exam paper. She asked the nurse if she was going to get an ultrasound first. The nurse said, no, it's better if you don't see, it just looks like a blob anyway. After the nurse explained to Bethany why she didn't need the ultrasound, Bethany asked if they had any more information about the procedure before she got hers done. The nurse informed her that the clinic had their own website that provided pictures of the blobs of tissue that they would be removing. Bethany wanted to know if there was any risk when you have an abortion. The nurse simply said, no, not really. You might have a little bleeding, kind of like your period. The nurse told Bethany that they were short on doctors and that a nurse practitioner was going to be performing the abortion. Bethany had her abortion scheduled for tomorrow, but the nurse said that the nurse practitioner was available that moment and could get it done now. Bethany felt uneasy because she didn't get a chance to check out the website or look up the procedure. She was planning on doing it that later in the evening after her consultation. She was curious about adoption as an option, and she wanted to know more about that. She thought it would be a good thing to look into because then her boyfriend wouldn't feel so much pressure to support her and a baby. Then he could go on to practice for soccer, and his coaches and athletic trainers would be happy. When she asked the nurse about adoption, the nurse looked annoyed and said that they don't, ha they don't do adoption referrals, and if she wanted to know about them, she needed to Google it herself. The nurse mentioned that if they wanted to get the abortion done quickly, Bethany needed to answer some standard questions. The nurse asked Bethany if she was being coerced into the abortion. Bethany dropped her head into her hands and said, sort of. The nurse quickly said that maybe it was for the best, and it sounds like she has a great group of people supporting her because they just want what's best for her, and right now, abortion is the best option. So that is the end of the hypothetical story. There are many other laws and restrictions that I didn't mention in this story. So some of those are the parental consent laws, the public school abortion policy, the Abortion Reporting Act, the Partial Birth Abortion Ban, and the Rape Survivor Child Custody Act. So now I'm going to go through and explain where in the story the restrictions should be on abortion and the restrictions that we currently have in place. So the story starts out with Bethany as a college student. And most college students probably don't have a full-time job just because they're not able to. They probably don't have a lot of money saved up. You know, maybe some do. But in her circumstance, her boyfriend was an athlete, and he felt pressured, and so therefore she felt pressured. Currently, we have the Pregnant and Parenting Student Services Act in place. This is from 2005. It provides 
services to students who are pregnant and parenting. So provides them resources, places to get child daycare, um, any sort of like a pregnancy resource center where they can, you know, they can get materials that you would get at a pregnancy resource center. And they're there to provide support for students so they don't feel coerced into getting an abortion. The next part in the story is that Bethany was pressured into having this abortion by her boyfriend's coach and athletic trainer. We have the Coercive Abortion Prevention Act. This prevents women from being coerced, and actually abortion clinics are supposed to screen women. They're supposed to go through um, a, a screening where they ask them questions about whether you are being coerced. And while the nurse in this story did do that, once a nurse finds out or a worker at an abortion facility finds out that a woman is being coerced, she is supposed to notify the police and the police are supposed to come immediately while they protect the woman in case whoever coerced her is in the facility. This actually recently happened in Michigan where the abortion abortion facility did follow the protocols, was able to find out this woman was being coerced into having an abortion. They called the cops. The cops came, you know, took a report down. Um, and actually, it was a student and her parents were, were forcing her to get an abortion that she did not want. And so, you know, this this restriction that we have, this act that we have, is very important, very vital, you know, for the 64% of women who do feel coerced, it's there to protect them. So the next part of the story is I mentioned that the boyfriend's athletic trainer was able to refer Bethany to the a local um, abortion clinic. If the RFFA amendment is passed in November, it would allow any attending healthcare professional to refer to abortions, meaning you do not have to go see your doctor. They don't even have to be a doctor. They can be they can be an athletic trainer, they can be a chiropractor, a nutritionist. They can be anyone that is considered a healthcare professional under the Michigan law. The next part of the story I mentioned is that she goes and she gets checked in at the facility. And she's already paid for her abortion before this consultation. Currently in place, we have the abortion prepayment prohibition of from 2002. And this makes it so that abortionists can't collect payment for the abortion before the 24 hours window that they have. And I will explain the 24-hour window more later on in our informed consent for abortions. But... We have this so that women, you know, if they want to back out of the abortion, but they've already paid for it, they don't feel pressured into still having it because they don't want to lose their money. The next part of the story, I mentioned that Bethany really wanted to see her baby. and She was wondering if she was going to get an ultrasound. We have the ultrasound viewing option. This is a law that requires abortion facilities to provide an ultrasound to make it available to women if they want an ultrasound, which most women want to see their, you know, want to see the baby. And a lot of them 
fortunately change their mind once they see the ultrasound and once they see that there is a beating heart if there is one. But in this story, the nurse says, no, you don't really need to see that. It's just, it just looks like a blob anyway. So next in the story is when I mentioned the informed consent for abortions, and that um, law is from 1999. This law is very important. Um, It's used every single time a woman goes to get an abortion, and it kind of encompasses um, a couple different things. So one of the things is that Abortion facilities can't provide the information on abortions through their own website. They need the um, the Department of Health in that local town or region needs to have all the information about abortions, about the risk, the procedures, and they also need to have options about adoption. They need to provide all of the um, you know, medical information that you would need to know. Just as when you go to get your tonsils removed, the doctor will tell you the risks, they'll give you a pamphlet about it, you can read about it online, and they will answer any of your questions. They will give you any information you need to know about it that would be important for you. Also, a part of the informed consent for abortions law is that women signed uh, a consent form to what is happening to them. And then, um, like I also mentioned, Bethany was curious about adoptions. And under the informed consent for abortions, the facility is supposed to provide other alternatives to an abortion in case women don't want one and are curious about something else. So she was curious about adoption. And in this story, the nurse said, no, we don't have any information about that. Google it yourself. So the next part of the story is, um, like I mentioned earlier, that she did admit that she was being coerced into the abortion, and obviously the nurse handled that in the wrong way. Bethany's story is one of those, is one of the many circumstances that happen on a daily basis, or, um, you know, her circumstance of being a college student and being coerced into abortion, unfortunately. But her specific story could be our reality in Michigan specifically if the RFFA amendment is passed. Now, if her story was a little different, just to give you some perspective, say she was having a late-term abortion, which would also be allowed under the RFFA amendment. I just want to give a little snapshot of what that would look like. So here is another hypothetical story of if Bethany was eight months pregnant. Bethany checks into her hotel that was located across the street from the abortion facility. Over the next three days, her cervix would be dilated and she would prepare for labor all alone in her dimly lit hotel room. There was a risk of her giving birth to a live baby in the same bed that thousands of other people had slept in before or on the toilet, where thousands of other people had used it before her. Lucky for the abortionists and their staff, Bethany made it to the facility just in time. She delivered her baby feet first. The abortionists stopped the baby's head right at the opening of the birth canal so that they could kill the baby at the neck, 
making the baby dead by the time they completely delivered it. There was a chance that the baby could be born alive during the partial birth, partial birth abortion, especially if Bethany didn't get to the facility in time. Born alive abortion survivors don't legally require life-sustaining treatment or humane comfort care for those born too young to survive because they don't have the rights of legal personhood. Now, the restrictions that I took out in this story, like before, are the partial birth abortion ban from 2011 and the Born Alive Infant Protection Act of 2002. These are very important abortion restrictions that we have in place today. And these would also be repealed if the RFFA amendment was passed. Most people don't support partial birth abortions. They don't support late-term abortions. And, um, you know, this is just another effort from Planned Parenthood, from the ACLU, to radicalize our state, to make unlimited and unrestricted abortion available in our state. And it's important that we get a snapshot of what that would look like, that we don't think, oh, that's impossible, that would never happen, that we understand that it could very well happen. We understand what it looks like. We understand that these these restrictions that are in place are there for a reason, that they're there to prevent something that happened in the past that was awful, that, you know, changed a woman's life, that ended the woman ended the life of a baby that broke a family apart that you know took away some sort of ethics of a doctor these restrictions are in place to prevent something from happening that had happened before that was horrible they're not there just because pro-life people want to be you know difficult to deal with they're there to protect people if we had restrictions, then we would have all of these acts that I mentioned, like the Course of Abortion Prevention Act, the, the Partial Birth Abortion Ban, the Ultrasound Viewing Option, the Pregnant and Parenting Student Services, the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, the Abortion Prepayment Prohibition, the Abortion Clinic Regulations, which I didn't mention earlier, but in the hypothetical story, Bethany walks past an ultrasound room where she sees the materials and the um, the ultrasound machine was rusty with blood on it. It sounds extreme and it sounds like something that would be made up but has happened here in Michigan multiple times. Um, the most infamous story is a Muskegon abortion clinic where they did find rusty materials. They did find blood splattered equipment that was being used on women. They found records of women scattered throughout the place and they found medical waste scattered throughout the place. And so these um, restrictions are put into place to prevent things like that from happening, to prevent all abortion facilities into turning into the Muskegon facility that is thankfully now shut down. If these restrictions are able to stay in place, then Bethany would have been able to see her sweet little baby boy sucking on his thumb in the ultrasound photo. She would have been screened by the nurse and she would have found out that she was being coerced into abortion. 
maybe she wouldn't have even made it that far because she would have known that there was a pregnant and parenting student services that would provide her support and help at her college. She could have known that adoption was an option through the informed consent for abortions. She would be able to have some peace of mind knowing that at least an offic- a physician was performing the abortion for her. Not only do we want to see our restrictions that we have fought for years stay in place, but ultimately we want to see our 1931 abortion law go back into place. Not only will the RFFA amendment repeal all of these laws, it will most importantly get rid of that 1931 law that we've been been protecting for the last 50 years. There are many things in the amendment that obviously pro-life people are going to fight against, but more importantly, there are a lot of things in the amendment that pro-choice people should be fighting against, like parental consent laws, the definition of fetal viability changing, and our taxpayer-funded abortions ban would also be repealed. So, that wraps up the end of this feature. I hope it was helpful to see what it would look like to go to have an abortion with no restrictions. Unfortunately, I think it could even look worse than what I have described, Um, but we will do everything we can in our power to make sure that a woman never sees this in Michigan, that she never has to experience an unrestricted abortion or an abortion at all. So thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed. Next week, we will be back with a normal Life Beat episode, and hopefully Chris will be joining me. So thank you for listening.